Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman, and we are continuing in a little bit of a, a mini-series on how do we minister in a negative world. Uh, our last episode, if you listen to it, we titled it How Evangelicalism Arrived in a Negative World, and that's that's kind of playing off of Aaron Wren's Three Worlds Framework, and he actually just, I just got an email yesterday, I get his newsletter, and he just published a book, literally, it just released yesterday, mm-hmm. and it, he, he, you know, he wrote this article a few years ago, I think it was published in First Things, or one of those yeah. um, outlets, and then he, the last year and a half, he's been writing the book on it, mm-hmm. and expanding it, and and so it just came out yesterday, I had no idea. I actually had no idea that he was writing the book, but apparently he he wrote the book, so you could you could search that and find that. Um, but yeah, we we kind of centered our conference, our AFCI national conference, uh, annual conference. We we centered it around that kind of that question. Okay, or, or what time is it? Like we have to be men if we're ministers. We have to be men who know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Well, what time are we ministering in? Are we ministering in a positive world where where there's this Christian consensus where everybody basically agrees about morality and about sexual ethics and and the nature of marriage and the nature of man and things like that? Or are we in a world where uh, the non-believer that we're trying to reach with the gospel is just totally in a different framework, totally in living in a different worldview with different ideologies and, and a different morality and mm-hmm all that. So we have to we have to be people who know what time are we in? What time is it? And that obviously implies that we can we can read the times in a sense we can we can look at the weather if you know Jesus's analogy to the Pharisees, hey, you can look at the you can look at the skies and and know when it's going to rain and <laughs> you mm-hmm. can't you can't read what's going on here with me and all these miracles I'm doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's basically w- what we're saying. We want to be able to read read the times, know what time it is, and then respond accordingly in how we minister in this time. So what we're saying, our, our thesis is, following Aaron Wren and others and many others, that we are in a negative world, and there is a certain way in which we do ministry in a negative world. Mm-hmm. And if we think we're in a positive world, uh, and we minister as though we're in a positive world, we might find that our ministry isn't as fruitful or it lands flat or it's just we cave in certain ways and we don't even realize it. So yeah. that's kind of our thesis. And that's in a sense what we built our conference messages messages around uh about a month ago or a few weeks ago. Yeah. And you brought us to First Thessalonians, uh, because Paul really is in in First Thessalonians, uh he's writing this letter to this church that he planted you could say in the midst of a negative world, yep. in the midst of conflict, yeah. And he got kicked out. He got run out of of Thessalonica mm-hmm. in a matter of just months yeah. of being there. Uh, the Jews kicked him out, and and so he's wondering. He's worried. You know, did this church last? Mm-hmm. Uh, did they make it? You know, I've only I was only there for a few months. Good grief! You know, the, these people were converted, or they appeared to have been converted in the midst of all this conflict. I mean. Was it snuffed out by the enemy immediately? Mm-hmm. And and so he sends some some delegates, some guys back there to check things out, and he gets word that, oh, man, they, they not only survived, but they're thriving, and and the testimony of their faith is going out. Yeah. And so so we get, we get some cool insight, I think, from Paul, and as he's describing how he came to them originally, mm-hmm. when he went to Thessalonica, what was his what was his disposition? Uh, what was his what was his motives for being there? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his method that he employed? And that's kind of the two things that we're gonna camp on in this this episode are the the motives and the method. So you got these two categories. What was his internal heart disposition? Why was he there? Why was he ministering? Mm-hmm. And so we can ask the same question today for our ministry our ministries. Why are we doing this? What are we in it for? Yeah, are we in it for yeah. Uh, good reasons, or are we in it for selfish mm-hmm. reasons? Yeah, and then we have to look at the methods that likely stem out of those motives, and and okay, how are we doing this now? How are we actually conduct conducting right. our ministry? Yeah, uh, what methods are we employing uh, to see people come to Christ? So that's what we're going to look at: motives and method, and we're going to go to uh, 
you know, you you're, you picked our theme verse, Dan. Yeah. And it was First Thessalonians chapter two, verses three through four. And I'm just going to read uh, just the whole passage starting in verse one of chapter yeah. two. Down all the through way. down through what? Let yeah, me... verse eight, I think. Yeah, at least yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Paul says, "For you yourselves knew, know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain." But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So there's mm. the broader context. Yeah, that's good. And we, we honed in on verses <clears throat> three and four. Which says, you know, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Mm-hmm. And and I, you gave me the task of really just unpacking the first part of verse 3, uh, which basically Paul says, you know, his, his, his appeal, his message that he preached, it didn't spring from error, so it was true. Um, it didn't spring from impurity, and there's where we get this idea of motives. His motives were pure for preaching, and then he he says, or any attempt to deceive, which you know is what we're, where we get this idea of methods from. Right, like he wasn't using a method that would try to manipulate or deceive somebody. Right, it was an open and honest and above the board methodology for how he ministered. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, let's uh, let's hone in then on on this reality. Yeah, of, could I could I just yeah, mention? Yeah. Uh, all right, again, we're not trying to review our whole conference, but we basically had three messages out of these two passages or these two verses, though. And so Sam did the first one, which we'll talk about here that he just highlighted. But the second piece then is that we've been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel, yeah. so we speak. So you know, we can touch on that. But that and so Primen, our 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 man from Fiji, yeah. He zoomed to, in, zoomed in, and preached to us on that. It was wonderful, great message. Um, and then I followed up the last night as uh, we so we speak, uh, uh, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. Right. And so um, we had these three messages. Yep. That were yeah. I, th- I think it really came together well. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was really good. So go ahead, Carrie. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. Mean so so sidetrack. I mean, we'll just get right into it. Motives. Um, yep. What. What are these motives that Paul is saying he did not come to them with? And, you know, interestingly, in the first century, uh, there was this stigma over the traveling speaker. It was a very common, you know, thing Mm -hmm. that you would have a guy who was, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a philosopher or, you know, he, he was skilled in rhetoric and he would travel. I, he was an itinerant. He would travel to different communities in the Greek yeah. culture, and he would he would share some new piece of wisdom or some new piece of knowledge. And you know, Paul kind of alludes to this reality in First Corinthians chapter one as well. Like, oh, this new philosophy it comes with eloquent words of wisdom. Da 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 da. And so that was a very common practice, and it was in a sense it was their form of entertainment. Like think of like the traveling musician today. He he goes around and travels from city to city and fills up a stadium and puts on a concert, and yep. all these people gather to listen to the musician, yeah. you know, sing, put on a show, and and there's a stigma over you could say the lifestyle of the musician even today. Yeah, you know, think of sex, drugs, drugs and rock and roll. Like okay, yeah, <laughs> there's just this lifestyle that goes with it usually. Yeah, yeah right. Usually. Yeah, that's not good. always. Yeah, that's good. So back then in the first century, <clears throat> you know. Roman world was was steeped in Greek culture. You'd have these traveling philosophers, right, and and you know sharers of new wisdom, and they were known to be greedy and they were known to be sexually immoral. Yeah. So this this word, you know, impurity that that's kind of the connotation with the Greek there. Like this this sexual connotation. It's this it's this, and but also yeah. with it is this idea of. Of this greediness, yeah. So and Paul says so, that. So our exhortation does not come from error or impurity. Yeah, and that you're just—that's what yeah. we're talking about right yeah. there. Impurity. Yeah. So their context, they yeah. would have, they would have had that context. Yeah. Clear Paul shows mind. up. Yep. 
and he's talking in the public square. Yep. He's sharing this message, yep. this gospel, which he says, yep. you know, is 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 true. Yeah, it's the, well, he calls it the gospel of God. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he this he is an, this is you an error. This. We had the boldness in our God yep. to speak to you the gospel of God. Exactly. Right. So yeah. So, but it automatically the people in that community in Thessalonica, as soon as somebody is starting to speak in the open square, that's going to be their first thought, likely that oh, this is one of those guys. Yeah, that's good. And and you know we experience that today too. This, there's there's a stigma over over. The evangelist, even you can think of the like, term, yeah. yeah, the term. You think, oh, well, evangelist, like televangelist, like like yep. Benny Hinn and uh, Prosperity Kenneth Gospel, Copeland whatever, and, and those yeah. guys. Is that, like, what you, is that what you guys are about? That, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or even just Billy Graham, which isn't necessarily a, a bad comparison, but right. still might paint a picture that's that's unhelpful to, for describing what we exactly do. Oh yeah, well we've had that in other podcasts. Yeah, we've talked about this because we're we're trying to help shape. Yeah, I'm not trying to go down a rabbit trail, but right. we're trying to help shape what we think is a, a biblical, theological, and historical perspective of the evangelist. Right. I mean, ambassadors for Christ. That's actually what we're doing. Yeah, and we yeah. think that we think there's a, a full, fair, uh, biblical, theological, historical discussion of that, and it's easy then to have a connotation about it. Exactly. Right. And and again, we're not. That's not a negative critique of like what Billy Graham did necessarily. We could talk about right. method. That's a different discussion. But not every time you hear evangelist should you think of guy in a stadium. Guy in a stadium on TV. Right. That's right. But that's what people tend to do because that's what they've been exposed to. So it would be a similar kind of idea. Yep. When the guy came in town that was speaking, yeah. there, was, there was a connotation yep. in that culture for that guy. Yeah. And Paul's going, uh, I'm doing something similar, but I'm not that guy. Yeah. And Paul, Paul is, one, he's very smart. <laughs> like you read his letters. And the guy, uh, the guy thinks through... His tactics. Yes. Strategy. His strategy. He has a strategy. So he knows that there's the stigma. There's this reputation over the traveling speaker. Yep. And that's why all the more he makes sure that when he goes to these communities, his conduct is in order. Yeah. And and he he almost purposely kind of sets aside maybe even some rights that he has in the gospel in order to make sure that he's not falsely labeled as... This guy over here, you yep. know, this traveling, greedy, sexually immoral guy. There it is. He's working on that, isn't he? Yeah. That's great. That's such a great... Co- oh, yeah. We have to think through that. Yes. And again, probably many people listen to podcasts, you know, I mean, you. what I'm getting at is you and I have to think that through. I was yeah. just thinking recently, you know, I'm working yeah, on yeah. People want to go, well, how are you accountable? How are you itinerants accountable? Well, part of that connotation is we've had people who have been out there and about, mm-hmm call them charlatans or whatever, and they look like they're Christians, but they turn out to be going south and not not living a moral life right. and unethical. Right. And then it becomes this huge question about, quote, unquote, accountability. Yep. I'm just saying, we strategically are trying to say, you know, and you know, Sam, I'm spending a lot of time reading and thinking about this today, you know, church ecclesiology, authority, accountability. Yep. What's that really mean? How do you really do that? Yeah. Because we want to separate ourselves from the guys who truly don't want any accountability and just want to go do whatever they want to right, do. And we're right. just saying, no, 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 no. That's that's not what right. we're after. Right. We're not, we're not, right? And we literally, I literally have to work as a director of ministry right now. I literally have to work and realize like some of this is probably going to have to be put in writing. So we're very clear mm-hmm. that we're not those guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. But, that, but what you're saying is Paul had to do this. He's using, this is what's interesting, culturally, in a sense, we're, I'm get, we're still in motivation. Yeah. But he's using a vehicle that was common. Yeah. You know what I mean? By, like a method. The traveling speaker. The traveling speaker that comes in and speaks. Yep. That, that was... There's a context He's not it. doing something outside of what's normal in society. Yeah. He's using the means. Yeah, he's using... The stuff that's there. That's common, yep. And so, again, as you said, Sam, even when we think about ministry, we're thinking about this in terms... Uh, you know, John, John Stanball, who was on one of our podcasts, brought this up with us. You know, what's the means today for the itinerant? He's asked that question. Uh. And we're going, oh. Maybe media? Maybe media. Maybe what we're doing here with podcasts. Maybe yep. that's the new public square. Public square and means yeah. for, quote, unquote, the itinerant. It's interesting, right? right? And So you have to think. All I'm saying is you have to think all that stuff through. And most people who don't live in our world probably don't even realize we're always thinking this stuff through. Yeah. Like, 
No, we want to be accountable and we want to be effective in a right. negative world. Again, we, know the time. What time is it? Yeah. So anyway, it's, yeah. that's a fun conversation. Yeah. For so us. so yeah. so what does he say? Look look at verse five. If you have your Bible up, and I guess I never never even asked you to open up your Bible, but maybe you're following along. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, he says, "For we never came with words of flattery." We're going to set that aside because I think that's a method. But look at what he says. As you know, nor with a pretext for greed. Which goes back to your verse that you preached, right? Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, right? yeah. So that's the For motive. For our exhortations not come from error or impurity or by way. Yeah, so see? impurity. So what's one of these impure motives? Greed. There I want go. money. Got it. And he's saying, hey, we didn't... Yeah. I know there's a reputation that these guys are in it for the money that come traveling through and yep. say something that's not what we're doing. And how does he prove it? How does he show... Yeah. Or, 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 or what's the... Re- you know, he says, okay, how do, how do you know I didn't come for a pretext for yep. greed? Well, go down to verse 9. He says... For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. Yep, we worked night and day yep. that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So you are witnesses in God also. Gosh, how holy that. and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Strategy again. Strategy. He's going, wait a minute. We wanted to go way over here to prove to you that we're not doing this for money. And if you go back, to, he did the same thing with the Corinthians. Yeah. He says, hey, I have the right Yep. To make a living by the gospel. Yep. I have a right to ask for money from you. Yeah. I have that right in the gospel, in yep. Christ. Yep. You know, don't muzzle the ox while he treads the grain. Yep. So the, the, he has that God-given right to do that. He, in his strategic mind, yep. understanding the, the world that he's ministering to, <laughs> says, guess what? I'm so smart. That I'm going to set that right aside, and I'm going to work my butt off the night other, and day. The other, the other direction. Yeah, yep. and we're assuming he means tent making probably. He's, he did yeah, that whatever. with the Corinthians. He's probably yep. doing that with the Thessalonians. He's probably making tents or something like that. Right. Working with his hands. I'm going to – I came here to plant churches and preach the gospel. Yep. But I have this skill, and I'm going to bring it in in this context because I it, it'll help minister to these people. Yep. And and not only that, Dude, he alludes that. to in the second letter, Second Thessalonians, that there's also this, there was something going on in the in in that community too with laziness, even within the church. Yeah. Eventually, once it was established, yeah, there was guys that kind of overrealized their eschatology maybe, and they started to be lazy and not actually work. And he's like, that was part of the motivation too, to set an example for the believers. That's so good. It is. It's so cool because I think about that again practically. This podcast probably not. I don't know who all listens to this, but in ministry, I mean, my, you know, I've been in ministry almost four decades and yeah. the work I do and people have supported me, but I haven't had to think that stuff through mm-hmm. because I'm like, no, it's been an incredible gift and blessing that people have supported me, but I haven't wanted to, right? I mean, like I will go out of my way to not take advantage of that. Exactly. I've real, at least I've tried yeah. because yeah. I've strategically thought that through. I said, no, no, yeah. no. So, you know, you go preach someplace people say well you know how much do you charge i can't believe how many times it said and i always tell people um a burger and a dr pepper yeah would be great. <laughs> that's my standard statement yeah like, like no i'm not coming here for your money yeah you know if you want to bless me or something that's you know right but that's not what i'm here for right and so but i mean to make a point i was trying to make a point with people like exactly. that's not why i'm coming here right yeah, and that's what paul is doing he's trying to make a point he's trying to go out of his way to show them that hey i'm not selling this message right I'm not in this for the money. I could yeah. care less about it. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not joining your church, so you will support me. Right. Exactly. I, mean, I could that's use a big all thing these. Today. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. It happens a lot. It happens these, a lot. In the, in the parachurch ministries and stuff. Yep. It's it's really interesting. Yep. I, I've had a, I've had I've had those conversations. I had a uh, a gal that was she asked me a question. Um, you know, she did uh, what do you call it? Cosmetology hair. Yep. I don't know what they call it, stylist, whatever yeah, sure. they, whatever sure. the title they use today. And she she asked me the question. She said, I had somebody come to me that was in a Christian ministry, yep. and they raise support, yep. and they kind of assumed that I was going to give them a haircut for less. Ugh. Yeah, they literally, there was like this assumption built in, yeah. and, and I'm like, no, you just need to charge them like everybody, and they need to understand that. Yeah. And Now, if you want to do something on your own, yeah. but but it's really interesting. There are people, I know a lot of people in business stuff that talk to me about that. Like, yeah. There's like this... I've heard stories too. I've heard a lot of stories about that. Go, it may, just makes me puts a weird taste in my mouth. Yeah, and I want to go. No, I, we need to be careful about right. that. No, no, no. I can't have that expectation just because you're in ministry. No, no. I go to a place because I've had people try yeah. to offer. And again, you know, I think we have to work hard. Yeah. I go. No, no, no. I want you to know up front. I've come to you, and I'm hiring you as my mechanic, and right. I'm not expecting 
special do. treatment. Special treatment. I mean, honestly, not. Right. I want to pay like everybody else. Right. Exactly. And and so, uh, you know, for a lot of years, I've literally went out of my way to try to do that for that same reason we're talking about, though, right? Yeah. I don't want people to think I am to doing To wrongly this. label you. Yep. yep. And expect, think I expect something, right? Yep. Exactly. So and that's what Paul's doing. And here. we're fighting so against that today. That's the point. That's all. Yep. The, that's what you're saying. I mean, we were in, we were in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, a, couple, yeah. a few years ago, and and we were driving through the dead center of the city, and uh, and we saw this giant billboard. That's right. And, yep. <laughs> you know, you're in you're in Africa, and you see this big giant billboard of a white guy with his fancy flowery Hawaiian shirt on. <laughs> Whatever and, it was. Yeah. You know, this old white guy looked all fancy and with this advertising or whatever like oh he'll be here in a month you know like a big, big re- revival whatever something. they call it revival yeah. evangelism thing yeah. yeah and it's like oh that's weird what's going on and and then his name was on it so i googled it when we got back to the hotel and sure enough he's a prosperity preacher of course you know because that's what those guys do they go over there these prosperity preachers yeah. and they put on this big event and this big show and they ask all these people you know sow some seed and reap you know reap eternal or uh, or t- earth earthly blessings you'll you know you're poor you need money this is how you get money S- give to me cuz yeah. i'm the lord's anointed and he will give you blessing yeah in the form of money yeah. or whatever yeah and so these guys go over there and they take all this money from these poor africans and then they line their pockets and they head back on their jet to america Whew. and then those africans or wherever they're going are poorer than they were before yeah. So that is, oh man, still so, going on today. So it's good just, again, we're jumping into application, but that Paul is coming into a setting yep. where there were preachers and people traveling around. Yep. Right? This yep. was this was common. That's, I always tell people, this, that he, this is not a context that he made up. No. There's a context of people who come and speak. Yep. There's the traveling evangelical band even. There were prophets that traveled around. And there's right. people, and even... Jesus, when he called his men to follow him, it was a structure of going from, remember, even Jesus, go mm-hmm. town to town. Think about it. You, you go down, town to town, find somebody you can stay with. Yep. That's, you know, man of peace. Kinder spirit, man of peace. And you go to that town and you you bring this message. Yep. Well, what is that structure? That's exactly. interesting. To, exactly. I, 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 I'm it was already there this, in the culture. It was already there. And they're using that. As a vehicle. As a vehicle. It's always had been there. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, but... We're not like those other guys. Right. And so we have to be strategic about how we make sure people know that we're not like those yep, other guys. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I think we labored it, but that's good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. So, you know, it's really so his inner motivation was pure. So what? Yeah, positively, it's not greedy. It's not for sexual gratification. Yep. Uh, you know, it's not for man-pleasing. That's something you hit on. Yeah, so, well, well, flattery. We, we, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Kind of zero yeah, in so on I think let's let's separate him. In my mind, flattery yeah. is the uh, is the method of the internal motivation of man-pleasing. Okay, good. So we can hold off on that a moment. Hold hold off on flattery, yep. but let's just talk about man-pleasing in general. Yep. Because that is a that is a lot of a, a motivation. Like we want. We want the, and you know, it makes me run to the Sermon on the Mount where, okay, Jesus is rebuking the, these religious, you know, leaders, yeah. the Pharisees, these, yep. these hypocrites, and he, he's calling them out for, uh, okay, when you give, you give in public and you make sure everybody sees right. that you gave. Yeah. And then when you fast, you make sure you look all gross and weathered and like, oh, this guy's yeah. not eating anything. Uh, and when you pray, you pray in, in public and so that everybody can hear all your words that you lift up. And he goes, he goes, you'll get your reward in full. What's the reward he's talking about? The, the, praise the, the praise of man. Yeah, right. But when you do, you know, he's telling the true disciples, but when you do this, you need to go and do this in secret. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand gives. Right. When you pray, go in your, basically in yeah. your closet, shut the door. Just to please the Lord. Yep. And when you fast, uh, put anoint your, your body with oils yep. so that you look healthy, so that yep. nobody knows you're fasting. Right. So it's the same type of thing here. Like, okay, you know, why are we preaching? Why are we ministering? Are we doing it for the praise of man or are we doing it to, to yep. please God? Now... You know, the subtlety of this, though, yep. is that, and you kind of flesh this out a little bit, that sometimes people fall into the era of, well, if I don't make everybody mad, then I must have, then, like, I'm really not doing it for the praise of God. Like, they, they equate, they wrong, wrongfully equate doing it for the praise of God with making well, everybody yeah. mad. <laughs> well, well, this goes to a, I mean, this is a big conversation that we can't have here, but... But even in what developed in, say, the last century, in what we could call a biblical fundamentalism, yeah. one of the characteristics of a fundamentalism was us against the world. Like, they're the enemy, 
Yeah. And we're going to put up the walls and we're going to protect ourselves from the enemy. Right. And again, I'm not trying to go down that whole road now. But what ends up happening in that then is it almost seems like what we want to demonstrate to the Christian world, or some people do, is I'm a really bold, courageous guy because, look, I'm fighting the enemy. Yeah. And so when he says not pleasing man, yes, our, our motive has to be to please God. But part of pleasing God, and that's what I brought up, was trying to get along with man, Yeah, if I could say it that way. He's not saying, don't try to please people. Yeah, He's not... just saying, you want the favor of God. Right. But part of the favor of God, then, is when you start going through this, um, you know, we brought up lots of verses about about the, the nature of this, you know, um, I'm just trying to think of, you know, Paul, Paul said to the weak, I've become weak, that I may gain the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I might be all means save some. Mm-hmm. What's he saying? He's going, no, no, no. There, there's something about trying to get along with these people yeah. and identify with them, right? Yep. Uh, but it's all for the favor of God. Exactly. That That's that's the point. And yep. so... Um, yep, we don't want to create a false dichotomy. Right, that's the thing. Yep. And you can get into a false dichotomy because you go down in, in a couple other passages that we brought up and talked about before that I find fascinating. You know, you go to First uh, Timothy and he's talking about the qualifications of an overseer. Mm-hmm. And obviously we, we, we kind of think of the ones, you know, you know, uh, you know, not overindulging in wine, not a bully, uh, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. But you work your way down there in verse 7. So this is First Timothy 3, 7. He says, and he must have a good reputation with those outside the church. Mm-hmm so that he will not fall into disgrace in the snare of the devil. Mm-hmm. There's something about, you know, Paul talking about keeping peace, trying to be peaceful with all men, mm-hmm. as long as it, you know, pertains to you. And uh, uh, yeah, I found the same thing interesting in First Peter chapter 2. So Peter was saying the same thing. Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, right, which weigh war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your do- good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Yeah. And so the point in this is, like, there is something about trying to get along with people, <laughs> yeah. is what I'm saying. So what sometimes people take this as, see, I'm not pleasing people. Right. And then, I don't know. Is what they mean by that is, I got to go out of my way to make sure they're mad. Yeah. Or all worked uh, upset. up. Upset. Upset. And and if they aren't upset, then I right. must then I must have not been pleasing God. Yeah, or something. So, yeah, and I think people could probably pick up on what we're saying. Yeah, I think but, I think you can. But yeah. but yeah. So the point of that is, Paul tried to get along with people. Yeah, you know I think about the Areopagus a lot. You know he goes there and he's invited to speak to these philosophers. So somewhere. In that, you know, it's easy to read a passage like that and think of 10 minutes. But you got to realize over a number of days, he apparently is in the community and he's talking. And there's some philosophers that go, wow, he's talking about some interesting things. Yep. So let's bring him in Mm -hmm. to the Areopagus, like a university setting, and let's hear from him. Mm -hmm. So there's a group of philosophers there and, you know, probably some Jewish people and Romans, and they're all sitting there in Athens. And he starts talking. And he obviously is articulate, and he obviously knows what they're thinking. He even quotes their thinkers, says they're poets. You know? yep. And he's very articulate. He's very persuasive. And sure enough, he gets to some of the guts pieces of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Now, some people says sneered. They did. Yeah. They didn't like what he had to say. Okay? And so will there be people offended over my message? Of course. There will, there will be. Yep. But at the same time, there were other people there that said, Huh, we're not so sure about this, but they invited him back. Back, yeah. See, if he had been blasting everybody, like we've seen people do, he's not going to be invited back. Right. You see, that's you got to really think this out. Yeah. So, yes, he was straightforward. He shot straight. He spoke truth. Yeah, read it. He spoke of the judgment. He spoke of, I mean, God created everything. But he (laughs) did it in such a way that it wasn't, if you will, and again, we can all blow this, but it wasn't his method they were trying right. were upset about. Or his it, conduct. It was, it was his message. It was the message. Let's make sure that when yep. people are upset with this, they're upset with the actual content the of message. the message. The yeah. message. And so that goes to, um, maybe we're getting too far ahead now, Sam, getting into method, but even when he says, I yeah. came to you like a nursing mother. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, exactly. I, that just strikes me. Yeah, I, yeah. To he came to these unbelievers as an as a caring mother. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Like, no, I didn't come in here 
just yeah, bashing everybody. Blazing and bashing people. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. okay. But anyway, go okay. ahead. So, one, so the motivation, yeah, back right, to motivation. Right before we get to, because we're just about to get to methods. But one more thing. It's not in the text, but I think um, it's in it's in Philippians. Uh, another motivation that we as ministers can have. Yeah. And and that is, uh, this is interesting. I'll just read the text. Paul says in first or in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, he says, I want, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So, and he's he's talking about being imprisoned. So yeah, he's, right. he's writing from prison. He says, so that it, ha- it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So mo- he says, most of the brothers, hey, my imprisonment actually is is helping the gospel and people are emboldened to preach it all the more. Great. But then he says, verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yeah. So you, there are, there is a motivation that a guy can have in ministry, even when he preaches the true gospel. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. Paul says he's they're preaching the truth, yep. and in that I rejoice. Yep. But some of these guys are doing it out of rivalry. Right. They're all mad at me because I'm Paul the apostle, and now I'm in prison, and they're using that opportunity of his imprisonment to now be the next guy. Like, okay, Paul's in prison. He's off the scene. Now I can I can step into his place and be the guy. Right. And so there's this there's this motivation of rivalry and, and envy. They they envy Paul's ministry. They envy his his probably his authority as an apostle. They yeah, envy good. his fruit. Right. So, you know, I, one thing that strikes me, Sam, as we're talking— um, you know, we're talking about, you know, we, we've mentioned even you and I as guys that are doing this, you know, for lack of better words, professional ministry thing. Yeah. But this really applies to everybody listening everybody. to this. Sure. You know I mean? We're, we're, because even Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah, yeah. Or even in Thessalonica, if you read through the first chapter, there's a sense in which they are imitating what Paul did. Yeah. And he said, everybody's hearing about this gospel because they're looking at you and fundamentally, they're imitating the very thing that Paul did, his yep. his, his his motive, his method, yep. right? And so as we talk about this, even though this may sound like we're talking to people in ministry, it could sound that way. I hope people realize, no, 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 this is this is the way Paul has told all of us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to respond, right? And, and of course, again, there's some nuances for us that are trying to do it professionally to make sure we set the tone right. and, and the vision right. right. But Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. So, I mean, what are just to kind of wrap that up? What are what are the right motivations for for ministry? Well, I mean, obviously to praise, to to please God, to glorify God. Um, you, we could even say out of love, out of love for the non-believer, out of love, you know, for our neighbor, yep. uh, out of love for God, out of goodwill. Paul says so. Yeah. All those are true motivations. Um, Can I add a couple of more that actually came out of the exegetical work on this passage? Yeah, yeah. Well, just a couple quick ones. One is that. Everything's underneath the omniscience of God. Yeah. Like he knows the whole thing. Exactly. And Paul had this confidence, even in their motive, because it's God that knows my heart. Yep. He even judges if me. they misconstrue it. Yep. Yep. And so everything is under the consciousness, if you want to. Is that the word? Consciousness? Is that the word? word? Con- in other words, I know that I'm always in the presence of the omniscience. I of God. know that I'm going to stand before the judgment yep. seat one day and have to give it So an everything I do yep. is underneath. Yep. And, and that whole passage, if you read through that, you'll get that Nobody sense. gets off. It's real clear. And then the second part is that this whole thing, the gospel ministry, is something that's been entrusted to me. Yep. It's a gift of God. It's his gospel. Right. It's his ministry, not mine. Right. And we could go down a whole road there, but, you know, John, you know, I must decrease, so he must increase. Yeah. And there's all sorts of pictures in the scriptures. Like, at the end of the day, I am just a servant of this thing that God has entrusted to me. It's not even my message. Right. Right. And right. so so anyway, we, we don't need to labor that, but that's all underneath. I mean, that's all in it comes through in that passage. That's all, if you will, in 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 Paul's view mindset for his motivation in ministry to glorify God, to love these people, you know, spreading the gospel, but it's all under, you know, I'm in the presence of God all the time. Yep. He sees everything. He yep. knows every thought I ever have. So Yep. 
to methods now. So again, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or, here we go, any attempt to deceive. So this idea mm-hmm. of attempt to deceive, I, I put that under the category of methods. Okay, good. So what I think, um, and I think when you study history, church history, and you study uh, the methodology of different preachers and missionaries and pastors, you find really um, that our methods, what we actually, how we actually do ministry, they stem from, obviously, our motivation, mm-hmm. but they stem, too, from our theology, what we actually believe about reality, what we believe, yeah. what we believe about the gospel, what we believe about what God. We be, what we believe about God. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, starts, it actually starts there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I which, mean, which back to what you just said, yeah. do we actually believe that every every word you say is going to, you know, you're going to have to give an account for one day? Yeah, right. Do you actually believe that? Yeah. I mean, Paul talks about this with the Corinthians. He says, hey, guess what? Every single one of you, and he's talking to believers, is going to have yep. to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and yep. give an account for everything you did in the body, whether good or evil. Oh, man. And so if you, <laughs> even that, you know, I know something serious for all of us is that um, if you propose to th- say, I'm, I'm going to speak for God, mm. thus says the Lord, here's mm-hmm. the word, we can all make mistakes. Yeah. I'm a finite, small man with only a limited IQ. But the fact of the matter is, if I'm going to speak for God, I better do due diligence and do everything I can possibly do to understand something yeah. that God has actually said. Right. That's why James says not many of you brothers should be teachers. Yeah. It's a serious deal. Yeah. Because you're risking, if you if you say, thus saith the Lord, and then you say something wrong, yep. you're actually slandering God. Yep. And we and, and listen, God is so kind and yep. gracious to use f- fallible man yep. to speak his word. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. So... We can all make mistakes, but I'm just saying. There's so there, much weight to this. There's a weight there. That's yeah, all gravity. Yep. So, <laughs> okay, methods, theology. Um, I think that, and we've talked about this. I don't want to. I don't want to labor this too much because we did a whole couple episodes on on comparing Nettleton and, and uh, I was going to say yeah, Nettleton back, and back, Charles Finney. That would be back if you go the back revival to like series, revival yeah. and awakening. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there's this because they really did have a different method. They did. That's influenced our entire culture. Yeah, yeah. And Second it came Great out, Awakening. And it came oh. out of their theology. Exactly. Yeah. So so you have Dendleton who was, you know, reformed and a Calvinist and it's you know, he believed in the sovereignty of God and salvation that when you preach the gospel, it's God who regenerates, it's God who gives faith. Mm-hmm. Um and and Finney was on the Arminian Pelagian side and thought, you know, man has the ability in himself to make the decision and he just says it's the right use of means. Yeah, so but, you need to convince him. You need yep, to you need to he says he literally emo. says you need to use the right <laughs> use of means and if you use the right use of means, this person's gonna convert. Yep. Because everything's there is there in them to 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 will themselves into the faith to convert. Yeah. So you need to convince you him. You need to somehow crank it up, do something. So that's where he yep. invented the anxious seat and and all these different things that he would employ at a revival that he would put on to yeah. to get people to cross the line and yeah, yeah, music and everything, music and everything, yeah. and we see that today. Yep. Uh, oh man, is does music play on you? And and you know we don't want to get into the all the Billy Graham stuff too, but I think um, um, I think uh, Ian Murray's book Evangelicalism Divided really really puts that on the table and says, okay, let's think about what happened in the 20th century with Billy Graham and the evangelical movement and these crusades and these big meetings and what were what was the tactics being used and how are they thinking about this? So go read those books. Go back to the revival series and, and listen to the episodes on Finney and, and Nettleton. Yeah. yeah, we touched on that. We touched on that. So I don't want to just be, I don't want to be redundant, but the point is, is that why they differed was fundamentally theology. Yep. Their method. So... You know, you hear it all the time, orthodoxy, so correct theology, mm-hmm. leads to orthopraxy, correct practice. Mm-hmm. Practice And vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. Bad, bad theology leads to bad practice. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, we, we know Paul had good theology, which led to proper methods. Yeah. And... Um, and so there is this reality, then, if we, if we want to be consistent and we think about, okay, this gospel... If we fundamentally believe that it is God who regenerates the heart, mm-hmm. uh, and that, like, and it's not about me manipulating or just saying the right phrase of words and giving the right argument, apologetic mm-hmm. argument, and and having the atmosphere and the mm-hmm. milieu be all perfect and you know the right setting. It's not about that, but about the word preached and, and the Holy Spirit uses the word mm-hmm. 
and he regenerates the heart. And that's what Paul said right in the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. Hey, guess what? Our gospel came to you not only in word, we call that the general call, mm-hmm. but in power, in full conviction of the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying is that, guess what? There's this general call, and we're, 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 we're putting that general call out. We're, we're preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. But it's up to the Spirit yeah. who brings conviction through the word. Yeah. And that's, that's when salvation comes. So we don't, we don't manufacture it. We don't crank it up. Right. And therefore then, we don't add a method to our preaching to try to force that. Mm-hmm. So what am I getting at? Well, I think the perfect illustration of this uh, is actually Moses mm. in the rock in Numbers 20. And, and I think this is fascinating, and, and we'll go there, and I'll kind of flesh it out for you, and then we'll kind of bring some more points of application. But yeah, think about this. If you go to Numbers 20, I mean, this is, this is the, you know, the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. You know, the, this is post-Exodus. They've, they've been liberated out of slavery in Egypt, and they're, they're wandering through the wilderness, and they're about to come to the Promised Land. And uh, here we have this interesting scene at the waters of Meribah, Numbers 20. And just I'm just going to read most of it just so we get a context and just listen to this. So starting in verse 2, Now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, what that we had per- Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord? <laughs> Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness, that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. I mean, this is classic Israelites in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining. I mean, good grief. God just saves them out of slavery and parts the Red Sea that they can walk through it on dry ground, destroys the the Egyptians that were pursuing them. (laughs) And now they're saying that we would, oh, that we would have died with our brothers, you know, oh, that we could go back. Look, there's no food out here. There's no water. And this is where I want to hone in. Look at what, what God says to Moses. He says, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and here it is, and tell the rock, tell with your words, speak, tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So God is describing a method right there for Moses to employ. Mm -hmm. He's saying, take the staff Mm -hmm. and then speak to the rock. Mm -hmm. Speak to the rock to give forth its water. That's a method, speaking. Yeah, like it. So if we continue, notice what happens then. Verse 10, chapter 20. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. (laughs) You can just almost, you can just hear the anger in a sense in Moses at this Mm -hmm. point. He's just so frustrated. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Question mark. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out and out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. So, this is so fascinating. Yeah, there's a lot there. A lot. There's so much here. Notice, okay, God prescribes a method to Moses. What's the method? Hey, guess what, Moses? There's water in this rock, and the way that you're going get to get it out is through speaking to the rock. Yeah. Okay. Which, which, could I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You well, want to say something? Yeah, yeah, I do. Which actually is showing the power of God. It's showing the power of God. It's, exactly. It's like, you don't have to make this happen. Yeah, you don't Moses. have to manufacture, you don't have to force this, you don't you have to coerce this. You just speak to it. There's no manipulation and here. I, right, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right, so it glorifies God. Right. Right, go ahead. 
And that's yeah. why God says, because you did not believe in me. Right. Are you, am I not able as God to bring water out of this rock? Yep. So, okay. So that's there. Yep. Moses is all mad at these people. I mean, they're stubborn yep. and stiff-necked. Yeah, he's that's, frustrated. Yep. Yep. These, these unbelieving people. Oh, man. What does he do? He takes the rock, staff, beats the rock with it. But notice, the water comes out. Yes. Water this is what, comes up. Yep. You would think, oh, well, why wouldn't God just keep the water in? Because right. he didn't follow the proper method. Why don't you just keep the water in? Right. But no, the water comes out. There was water in there. Yeah. And the people drink and the livestock drink and everybody's, oh, they got their water. Yeah. But God says to Moses, guess what, Moses? You've been, <laughs> you've been a faithful leader of these people this whole time. For like 40 years, basically. Yeah. And, I mean, there's nobody closer to God than Moses at this time. Like, he gets to go up on the mountain and, and literally speak to God face to face. And he says, guess what, Moses? Because you did not honor me as holy and believe in me, you you faltered in this one place, a one misuse of methods. You're not going to get to go into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And God kills him. I mean, go to Deuteronomy. God kills him before he gets to go into the promised land. Yep. Puts him on a mountain. He gets to see the promised land and then takes his life. Isn't that fascinating? So what that means is methods matter to God. They absolutely matter to God. Mm. And they actually communicate to people the holiness of God. Yeah. You did not honor me as holy. That's good. So how am I going to, how does God, in a sense, help people know that he's holy and that he cares about this? Well, Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. Yep. Guess what, people? God actually cared about how Moses got the water of the rock. Yeah. Now, here's the here's the uh, the parallel that we can draw or the principle we can draw out of this mm-hmm. for our preaching. One, we speak. So yeah. we're speaking to people. They're not rocks. They're people. Yeah, we communicate. We're communicating. And the, the word preached is enough. That's to, the authority, man. That's the authority. That's the God-ordained means to regenerate hearts. Yeah. Speaking the word. Yeah. It doesn't reside in me. Yep. And it's not about whatever else is going around. It's not about the lighting. Yep. It's not about the music. Yep. It's not about the anxious seat. Mm-hmm. It's not about walking forward. It's not mm-hmm. about the lighting in the room. I mean, it's not about any of that. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the fascinating thing. What I think you can do is you can you can you can add to the gospel these other methods, these other means. You know, Finney said the right use of means. And you, I'm saying that you can bash people over the head with your staff, mm-hmm. and water might come out. You might actually see conversion. Yeah, great. But also, you might draw some blood because you've been bashing people over the head with your staff, mm-hmm. and you might mistake the blood for water. Yeah. And so what happens is you got all these conversions, and this is exactly what happened with Finney. This is what happened with Billy Graham. Yeah. You had all these conversions, and all of a sudden you go back to these cities a year later. Where are all these converts? Mm-hmm. There's there are none here, and there was even people who would go to these cities after Finney, and they said we would we, we would go there a year later, and it was worse off than than when he came. Yeah, it actually got ba- worse. Yeah, there's a whole yeah. We talked about that. And- yep, go back, listen to that. So yeah, so that's the point. You 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 add to uh, our method. Our method is simply preaching the gospel in gentleness and love. And you add to that other means, you can actually create false converts. Yeah, you have to be careful. You got to be really careful. And, and 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 where it gets touchy again in ministry is we have to think this through. Yep. As God does, it's really unique because because of who God is and who He made us to be. Yeah. He does use personality. He yep. does use our persuasion. He right. uses our uh, ability and our intellect. Right. God actually uses that right. stuff. But you got to be very careful that right. it's, that it's not about that. Right. He can use that, and he does. Right. Right? So this is where Paul says, I didn't come with flattery. Flattery yes. would be uh, an example one. of taking the staff and bashing the rock. They're very good. Yep. Just, you know, and, and you know, you did some more study on this, but in the yeah. first century, in this time, in this Greek culture where, you know, yep. the the traveling order and, and speaker of wisdom was a common thing, they actually outlawed flattery. They said, guess what? This doesn't help anybody out. If we're going to have a discussion about philosophy and knowledge— we don't want flattery. Yeah. We, so that was against the law. Yeah, yeah. Verse 5 actually says, we never came with flattering speech. Yes. Isn't yes. that interesting? As you know, Yep. nor were the pretext for greediness, which we already covered, but he said we didn't come with flattery speech. And that word flattery, yeah, I did a whole kind of 
I mean, you know, yeah, word study on that. Yeah. With 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 the Hebrew and everything, and it was just interesting, you know. Like we said, um, I think you brought it to my attention, some of it, Sam. And then I started digging into it, and I was like, wow, yeah, there's a lot here, man. Um, I'm just looking up looking up a couple of my notes here real quick on this idea of flattery because it's an interesting co- thing. So, you know, in the Hebrew, it means smoothness and seductiveness, mm. isn't that? Yeah, seducing. Buttered, you buttered them up, <laughs> Manip- manipulating people to get your desired end. Yeah. So and you think about that, like, and boy, is that is that real? Think, just go to secular marketing gurus. Oh man, and, and salesmen, they have all these tactics to get people to make decisions. Oh man, and buy things. It is amazing, and and, and, and it's very yeah, manipulating people to get your desired end. And then you think of ministry, like sometimes there's even this sense of which, you know, again, as me being a guy in ministry, that you're supposed to somehow demonstrate. Yeah, effectiveness. Yeah, with quote unquote decisions or yeah, something. Yeah, I got I, these many people came to Christ. And years ago, I, I I thought, wow, because I would see somebody that looked like they responded to the gospel. Yep. And I would write a letter. Yep. And then six months later or a year later, I'd realize this person really wasn't converted. Right. They clearly weren't. Right. You know, for, and I don't need to go down that road, but you would find. Well, you wouldn't write a letter back and said, "Hey, remember that great letter I wrote about this person?" Yeah. And. I started False alarm. Get, well, I started getting nervous about it. Honestly, I was a young guy. It just we're talking almost four decades ago. Yeah. And I started realizing like, I don't know how much I want to report this stuff in letters. I know. Because I don't know if it's legit. Right. And I and it's easy to sell that. Well, and so, it's easy it, it's easy to have you like prop yourself up. Right. Well, and you know, I, I had a term for it. I started to call it I don't know if we've used this in other podcasts, I call it the evangelical dance. Oh, really? Yeah, I had like, okay, so I perform. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> and it looks like all these people respond. Yep. And then I write a letter or whatever, tell everybody. Yep. And then they throw money at me. Yep, exactly. Oh, we need to get behind Dan. Yeah, look at that. Because look at all this stuff. And then what it does is it creates this perpetual thing that you always have yeah. to somehow generate, hey, this is effective. Right. See, see, it's real. It's effective. And you start, again, go back to your scriptures, go back to history. What would you say to um, uh, Noah? Yeah, preaching for a hundred years, right? And nobody responds, right? Jeremiah burying them in a pit, yeah. People they don't like. His friends betrayed him. Yep. And so my point in that is like, I of course want to rejoice with my brothers and sisters when God's really doing something in people's lives. Yeah. But how do you quote unquote measure that? Right. It gets really, and it goes back to our theology. Jesus says, yep. "He must be born again." The 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 you know the wind blows where yep. you know where it goes. Like yep. the, he's talking about the spirit. The spirit goes where it wants to go. You can't control it, right? So so one of the things I, I not to go down another rabbit hole, but one of the things like early on in ministry, and I try to impart it to you know yeah guys like Sam and young guys is like if you want to talk about measurement, the one thing I can sort of measure is like, am I out proclaiming yeah. the gospel? Hey, I, 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 talk, I told 10 people the gospel. We've been sharing the gospel with people. We're proclaiming the gospel. And and you have to be very careful about that. Is this effective thing? Right, exactly. Not that you couldn't... Because hey, I'm not maybe the one I that makes think, it effective. Yeah, right. Now, that doesn't mean you don't take that into consideration. Like, right. you know, I want to be able to get to people and make it clear and communicate and answer their questions yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> But you got to be careful about using that as a measuring stick. But then, like I said, the evangelical dance. Yeah. People go, oh, they had 20 decisions. Yeah. Wow. And then they throw money at that. Well, then it's this perpetual machinery yeah. that you have to demonstrate. I can't demonstrate I don't that. Get what happens up that? Where if we're living in a period of time where you're preaching, as 2 Corinthians 2 says, it's all a sweet aroma to the Lord. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 2. Yep. Okay, talks about this in fourteen through seventeen. Death, like death like, life like life. we we are always led in, in the processional in in victors in Christ yep. and in the sweet aroma of the gospel, you know, is pleasing to the Lord. Yeah. For some, it smells like life. Yeah. Wonderful. Some, it smells like death. Yeah. So the fact is, is that you may bring the gospel to a group of people, and I'm being very pragmatic and simple here. But like, let's say none of them look like they respond. Right. Now, first of all, you don't really know down the road if somebody may, but but let's say none of them do. It was well, still glorifying. But on a, on a very simplistic level, you could say they're going to stand before God. And he's going to he's going to go. You heard. You heard it. Sam was there telling you. Yeah. You see what I mean? And yeah. so so in a sense, they're under right judgment because no, they heard. Right. And so the one thing again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole, but am I proclaiming the gospel? Yeah. Am I reasoning with people? Am I getting to people? 
Right. And so that's what we've tried to do in our evangelism when we go, whether it's right. on campus or wherever we go, we're trying to say, am I getting to the people? Yeah. So if you want to say a measuring stick, that seems to be something that I can yeah. quantify to some degree. Right. But but this idea of I'm going to prove to you that I have conversions. Right. Boy. Yeah. That starts getting really muddy. I don't like it. I don't like it. I felt it too back when I was in the parachurch stuff with crew and stuff. I, I felt that grind. Yeah, it feels like a pressure. Yep, you like you should, you're supposed to prove something. Yep. And it's like, man, I can't prove that. I don't like it. Yep. So. And I mean, I, I was, I would say I was more gifted at evangelism than the most. And so I, I tended to have the most numbers and out of everybody. But even that, it's just like, yep. I started to see people that apparently, you know, that I had pray the prayer. And then a couple months later, they weren't legit. I'm like, Err. but yep. I had some people that were, but it's like, I just don't even. Yep. So this flattery, again, is manipulating people to get your desired end, excessive and insincere praise given especially to further one's own interests. It's, yeah. a, it's a type of manipulation. Yep. And that's the whole thing. We're not manipulators. Right. We're not deceivers. Yep. We're not trying but to We do don't that. need to be because we truly believe that the gospel rightly preached is the power of God for salvation. So can I read some? This was out yeah. of uh, you know one of our uh, our ancient theologians before the Enlightenment said similarly, it is praiseworthy to want to please men for the sake of nurturing charity, mm-hmm. you know, growing them in love, and in order that a man might be able to advance spiritually. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, an individual's wanting to please men for the sake of vainglory, or financial gain, or even in bad deeds would be a sin. This is according to Psalm 52.6. God has scattered the bones of those who please men. And in Galatians 1.10, the apostle says, if I were still pleasing men, I would uh, not be the servant, Christ's servant. Right. So it's this subtle thing to be careful yeah. is the point. Is It's not wrong to want to encourage a person to give them compliments, to do things, to try to win their favor, to have a presence in their life, to right. minister to them. Right. But you got to be careful that that's not about exalting me. Oh, he's really a good guy. Yeah. Right. That's not what this is about. Right. So. So I think about okay. Back to our kind of thesis. How do we? Well, just kind of our statement. You know, how do we minister, or our question, how do we minister in a negative world? And we're talking about method now. So. Yeah, we're right. talking about method. Yeah. So, again, obviously we see the, just the craziness of our of our culture right now, the craziness of these LGBTQ ideologies and mm-hmm. CRT ideologies and wokeness and how, how, I mean, millions of, millions of, of babies aborted, like r- legitimate murderers, like that's mm-hmm. the culture we're, we're trying to minister to. Yeah. And it can be really easy to to go oh man it's war it's all at war and yep. we're gonna beat these people like yep. and we can drift into that type of <laughs> take my staff bash you over the head yep. type method right and we have to think about these non-believers even though they're doing wicked things like paul thought of these people again paul came to them as a as a nursing mother yeah, he later says, even, uh, you know, I was like an exhorting father. Yeah, these yeah. were wicked people, too, that did wicked things. Yeah. I mean, these cultures, these Greek cultures were steeped in sexual immorality and all sorts of weird things. Yeah, well, blood uh, sacrifices to demons and yeah, all sorts and, of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and homosexuality like and all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're in a crazy culture. There's some wicked things going on. Yeah. But this is, Paul says this to Timothy in Second Timothy. He says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, mm-hmm. able to teach, patiently enduring evil. I mean, patiently enduring evil. Yeah, well, put, putting up with some stuff. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're having to do that today. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Yeah. With gentleness, God may perhaps, here, here we go, God may perhaps grant them repentance. There it is. Leading to a knowledge of the two. So who, who has the prerogative? Who is able to grant repentance? Yeah. It's not me. It's right. not you. It's not anybody else. It's God. Yeah. It's his. It's his authority to grant repentance. Yeah, God may perhaps grant repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses. Yeah, and escape from the snare of the devil. Yep, that's how Paul's thinking about this. They're ensnared by the devil. All these crazy woke people are ensnared by the devil. They're ensnared after being captured by him to do his will. So, do we see them as people who are ensnared by the devil, and are we willing? Because we have a right theology 
and a right understanding of God? Are we willing to go to them gently and yep. compassionately and in love, speak the gospel to them, and God may perhaps grant them repentance? Yeah. Do we believe that? Or are we going to go, oh, I kind of think it's up to me, so I need to start bashing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, they're the enemy. They're the enemy. Yeah, yep. It's like, no, I'm not really. Yeah, they're God's enemy, for sure. Um, but he has called you to 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 be compassionate towards them because you were also God's enemy too. Yep. He saved you. So we should see them as ensnared by the devil and and we should go to them gently. Yeah, well, the and the scripture points that out. You know, when, when Jesus said, you know, um, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it in Matthew 16, you know, there's an imagery there. I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, the same imagery. Like people are captured, they're in prison. Yeah. And yes, their minds are distorted, and yes, God holds them accountable. We could have that whole theological discussion. But there's a sense when he said, you know, the gates of Hades will not prevail. There's a sense in which we go to the gates, we break down the gates, like we break down speculations and these false ideas is what Second Corinthians 10 talks right. about. And we're going in and we're rescuing people. Right. It's a rescue mission. Right. And yeah, and they're kicking and screaming sometimes, right? But it is a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. And you have to think of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. And then that comes with, I don't need to beat them over the head with a staff. I need to speak the truth. Yes. So there is a reasoning there. And see, in the subtlety here that, that I think we have to recognize is sometimes in an effort to, this way, you could use this as flattery. You could use this as pleasing people. Sometimes people, brothers in the Lord, are so concerned about what everybody thinks and pleasing people. Yep. That, that they begin to compromise yeah. into almost a leftist yeah. position almost. because we need to reach these people. And that's, no, 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 they, that's they not what the line of getting into false gospel. Right. And that's not what we're talking about. See, that's the right. point. No, no, no. I hold the line on this truth, but the way I approach people is different. That doesn't mean I don't speak straight to people. It doesn't mean I don't look people in the eye and speak the truth. And this is what's been fascinating, Sam. I think... You know, we've been trying to strike this reality uh, when, you know, we've talked about a lot this last year. So yeah. we've been trying to do this like on this campus setting. We're going to this hotbed place, yeah. you know, as hotbed as you can possibly yes. get in our culture. And we're trying to set a tone that says, I can actually have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with me. And mm-hmm. we've had this, right? We've had the lesbian, the transgender. We've said this before. We've probably hit it too many times. But yes, uh, you know, uh, uh Muslims, we, 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 you know, all of them. pagans that disagree, yeah. totally disagree with us. Atheists. Yep. We've been able to have real conversations with all of these people. Yeah. And it, it takes work to strike that, like, we're going to go out there and we're going to be bold and honest. Right. But we're trying to strike this place that we don't compromise what we believe in truth, that we are bold, we are courageous, but we're coming like that gentle mother. We're coming yes. like that father. Exactly. You know, and we've had numerous experiences now. Enough to go, if you do this, it's pretty amazing that you can actually have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you. Right. It's, it's amazing. amazing to me. And, you know, the example for me in my life that I've always been fascinated, never was never was around him. I mean, but reading, and I saw some interviews the other night. I just, I love going back to it. It was Francis Schaeffer. Yeah. Just love what that guy did. Yeah. I mean, all these, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call it, hippies, non-Christians, Buddhists, all these people coming and just hanging out with him. Yep. And he was able to talk truth to them and help them understand how their system didn't work and yep. and lead them down a, a certain road. And I think that exemplifies in large measure what I'm talking about here. Yep. So will I be, at the end of the day, could I be run out of town for what I say? Oh, sure. Yep, Paul was. Yep, he was. But his his motivation and his method, right? Right. And so I think this is really informative as we think about ministry in a negative yeah. world. Man, yep. Yep, we really have to we really have to think about it and be strategic. Yep. So I think that is good for this episode. I thought that was really good. Um, man, it's fascinating. I mean, all that is in the scriptures. It's just there. Just just mine it. Pull pull it out. Pull there it out. It it's there. Yep. So it's it's so helpful. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's the word of God. Uh, but hopefully, you enjoyed this. Hopefully, this was helpful helpful for you. Uh, go back to you know First Thessalonians. Just read it. Read it slowly, deeply. Think read, about the context. Right, read First and Second Corinthians too. It's the yeah. Same type of thing. Yeah. It's a it's a wonky community that he was you know planning that church in. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, 
So if you enjoy these episodes and you enjoy this podcast, I really encourage you to share it with friends and family and people at your church or whatever. I mean, I don't do a lot of marketing. I don't really put any money into it. Uh, so I'm really hoping that that you guys who listen will, will help get this out to more people. And so just to share it would be a really help to me. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would be really helpful. Write a review. You could do that. Uh, you can check out our, our ministry website, afci.us. The link is in the show notes. And just, you know, see what makes AFCI distinct and unique from other ministries and read about our different ministers and their bios. And, and we have a lot of content now on that website as well, different sermons that we've preached in different places. So check that out as well. But thanks again for listening and have a great day. Bye.